Welcome to the Department of Homelander Security, the officially unofficial podcast for uh, the boys. For I almost said for Homelander. I mean, you know, if he wants to pay us, he's got that vault money. He could probably afford it. Yeah. We're yeah. willing to switch sides. Kind of a problematic sponsor, I think, for us. But, uh... Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll just find a new audience. That's how it'll go. <laughs> That's how these <laughs> things work. Uh, no, for the boys uh, on Amazon Prime streaming. Uh, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. We're here to do our season two wrap up, which I think is going to take the form of a big feedback episode, because when we went and we looked at the feedback, uh, all that stuff in there kind of covered every point. And we figured, let's give the audience their say instead of us just. Yeah, blabbering. it's 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 honestly as a podcast who kind of made the decision to be exclusively show only like neither one of us is going to read the comic books. Um, that, I don't know. That might change for next season. Maybe one of us does, but like it's honestly intimidating searching for show news about this because you know, um, or, or even like it, it's even dangerous considering material that the show has apparently leapfrogged, but has not been uh, uh, part of the comics yet or stuff in the comics. The show's leapfrogged. that hasn't been in the show yet because I've seen in other shows like The Walking Dead and The Game of Thrones where, boy, you think they've discarded that material and they just rework it for something else. And now everybody's mad at you for doing spoilers. So it's honestly tough to go and research like what's coming up in season three because we got casting news and they're attached to characters who already have plots and comics. And it's like, ah, yeah. So, you know, the listeners doing it for us and the feedback, not bad, not bad. And they, there's a, there's a lot of quality. Uh, there's, if, if you're looking for show news, if you're looking for casting news. If you're looking for season three speculation, if you're looking for um, character analysis and whatnot, it's all right here. It's all right here. So I figured we just jump right in. Right. Yeah, let's do it. These were all missives sent to us uh, at DHS at baldmove.com. Do not send email there until next season because uh, we don't usually monitor these these addresses in, in between. Uh, but you can still get in some uh, discussion on the forums, forums.baldmove.com. If you got to get something out, I'd suggest using that outlet. Uh, first up, Esoteric Eric, our buddy, says, uh, you know, we, we've had a monster man this whole season, this whole series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Quaid has been unmasked as a monster man. Uh, Eric did the monster math. I I, I, th- I live for this kind of shit, and I'm so glad he sends it in. So I was thinking about when A-Train was training with his brother, who said that A-Train needs something like 10,000 calories per hour to maintain his metabolism. It's got me wondering if the other soups need some kind of crazy high caloric intake, too. For example, how much food energy would it take for Homelander to laser a large crowd from front, front to back? Yeah. Considering we're mostly water and you use that to do the math, it takes about 10,000 calories to laser each body. And that's if you could, could transfer the energy perfectly, which, of course, is not possible. There's laws of thermodynamics that must be obeyed. It's not optional. Uh, his his ass take... is just uh, those copper fins. It's all just heat sink back there. <laughs> yeah, you got to dissipate all that waste heat. Man. Absolutely. It'd probably take longer, too. So if you killed 500 people in that scene, it's safe to say he burned uh, more than 50 million calories with his laser, a la <laughs> Dr. Evil. That's a lot of whole milk to drink. Um uh-huh. You know, that's always the problem with superheroes is any of them, especially that that, um, you know, project this amount of energy Mm -hmm. is like, where does that fucking energy come from? You know, 
Well, uh, Starlight, it's interesting because she's just kind of funneling energy, right? She so. leeches and funnels, right? So she's got an external source where Homelander, like, you know, could, would he... How long could he keep that laser up until it's exhausted? How long could he fly before exhausted? Is is, is unlimited? Like, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I love this... Uh, this kind of scientific stuff, um, and there's there's actually another uh, infamous one that's later in the mailbag that we'll get to. Hmm. Uh, but thanks for sending that in, Eric. Appreciate it. Uh, Brett D, longtime listener and club member, greetings from Australia. I was waiting for the right moment to send feedback about something that you might have missed in this week's episode of The Boys. I liked how in the relationship between Butcher and his father was juxtaposed with Homelander and Ryan. In this episode, Sam Butcher's father discusses how he made Butcher a tougher person that could handle the perils of life. It seemed to revel in the fact that he created a tough individual. He goes on to say that he was nothing like his brother, implying that his bad parenting helped him to be the man he is now. Homelander has a similar conversation with Becca regarding Ryan. He implores uh, the fact that Ryan needs to be tougher to face the real world, and Becca, with her mothering, wasn't providing that for him. I found an interesting parallel, and I thought it worthy of discussion. Now... Brett just sent us in before episode eight, and we found out how the season ends. Um, I think these parallels are even more interesting when you consider. I, I maybe maybe we should step back. What are the odds that Butcher and Ryan end up together before hmm. this is all said and done? Pretty good, pretty good. I mean, it's it's a satisfying story dynamic, certainly. Yeah, I think going into season three, the idea that Butcher is going to say no to this uh, anti-soups watchdog program and that he's just going to leave Ryan to the fate of the black suburban government issued people, government issued parents. I, I I think that's very unlikely. Like, yeah, he's got, I, he's going to be sitting in his, uh, uh, I don't know, fucking boy's castle or something and looking over at his coffee table and the sunglasses are sitting there and he's thinking hmm the sunglasses mm. didn't quite sit right on my face something's wrong here oh it's ryan yeah <laughs> he's gonna have to like i you know this this the end of the season uh all of the boys kind of scatter yeah. to the wind and it's going to be interesting to see in season three how they bring all those back together if they all come back together i assume they will mm-hmm. um you know, obviously Huey being with Newman is interesting because that's like he's he is the only one of them to not explicitly escape what seems to be the main plot going forward. Yeah. Everybody else is done. Their motivations are done. You know, um, they could go on and do bigger and better things, but and I've, they, they're not gonna. They're, they're not. Yeah. Uh, I have some news on that front about season three and what the plot lines are going to be because they've broken the story already um i'll save that until later for people who don't want should we like set up a specific spoiler section maybe yeah that like has all the casting news and all that stuff we'll save can we we say that we'll we'll save any potential casting news and and confirm season three developments to later yeah uh and we'll 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 let you know before we give the get them okay Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Jack Hendrick, moving on. The headless statue in the conference room is none other than the late translucent. To which I slap my head and say, damn it, why? Why did I not get that? Yeah. Uh, so, and this is this is this week's Sugarfish. I had 17 <laughs> different people let me know that because it is like, it, it's a real head slapper. I'm, I'm so sorry. This is what happens when... Uh, you have you have screeners and embargoes and you can't look mm. up things and <laughs> yeah. it just make oh yeah like they, they they took out a whole statue knocked another one down they left the head off what's what's going on there at Vought? but there's so many there's there was so much uh, to make excuses for myself there's mm-hmm. so much turnover in the seven that I thought like maybe I mean why the hell is translucent still there yeah you I know? mean. It- you know, you got Lamplighter who wants to see himself still in the statue, and he's right. he's, he's light years. Uh, yeah, he he's living in the '30s, man. He's living in ages yeah. ago. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the shit? So maybe that's the thing they just haven't caught up to all. Like Lamplighter was a planned obsolescence, and everything else just was, uh, you know, either unti- untimely death or um, sexual assault slash harassment. Um, Motivated scandal. I uh, almost said he's living in the twenties, but then I realized we're living in the twenties. <laughs> we are living in the twenties. We're in which, the roaring fucking twenties, which, if you've paid attention to history, should be very frightening. <laughs> very frightening. Uh, so thanks for that, Jack, and and everybody else. I appreciate the correction. Uh, Jamie C. Curious about your guys' thoughts on Lamplighter's death. I couldn't help but wonder if he knew more about the suit-proof cell on 42D than he let on. Did he know that physically breaking her out of the cell uh, guarded pre-evacuation would have been impossible for him and Huey, so he set off the fire alarm knowing that that would result in emergency systems turning on flashing lights and starlight cell, and then knowing her power and that she'd be able to escape? Uh, Hmm. I feel like it's, it's so... The question is, did he go out in an intentional blaze of glory? Or was it a purely selfish wanting to end his life in front of the statue uh, slash the boredom? It felt to me like it was purely selfish and that it was just a happy accident that it also let her out of her cell. Yeah, that's my goal, th- thought, too. Like, they, they really... Rewatching that, like when we did our um, live live watch party on Sunday night, uh, that was like the third time I saw that episode. And like it became so clear, like when you look at his, when you know that he's going to set himself on fire, the performance and his dialogue and his actions and his kind of reckless, like, oh, you know, maybe guys with AKs come, maybe we get in. Like it it makes so much sense to reinterpret this as this him doing the suicidal thing. Mm -hmm. So, I guess I err on that, that he's kind of a shit um, the kind of guy that like <laughs> hooks up with underage women at the tower, you know, kind of, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any her- heroism there, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. Um, Justin said, did you notice the radicalized youth at the beginning of this week's episode was community's fat Neil probably lost a game of Dungeons and Dragons before walking in that bodega. I knew I recognized his face from somewhere. This is Charlie Kuntz. Um, and he's been in like I, I think he's been in uh, Modern Family, um, but yeah, this is like a, the the only thing I could when I went through his IMDb that I recognized him from is that episode of of Community. Um, so yeah, familiar face. I thought he actually was Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows. He has IMDb a similar look. Thing. Very similar kind of like structure. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Justin. Uh, Carl D. with some speculation. Could the chip slash capsule that was removed from Starlight contain some kind of anti-V compound that Vought could use to control rogue soups? Hmm. I like it. Because we've been speculating, you know, when you when you make the poison, you also make the antidote, uh, mm-hmm. if possible. And and would that be out there? Yeah, it it'd be an interesting sort of uh, time bomb put into these characters. Yeah, and they explicitly talked when you know Butcher squared off with Vought. They talked about how he would certainly have some kind of assurance. Yeah insurance policy for homelander and like i've always thought that too like you don't create the most powerful man in the world um unless you've got a plan for dealing with him especially if you're treating him like an employee you know yeah. um so yeah i think that would be an interesting idea an anti i don't know whether it's in the chip or not but like some way to depower soups um or there might even be uh, like some kind of jurassic park do you remember that i think this is more in the books than the tv show or but the, than the movies but like the dinosaurs are genetically engineered to be all females so they couldn't reproduce, but they're also genetically engineered to have some kind of um, their, their bodies couldn't generate this particular type of protein that had to be enriched in their diet. So if they wandered yeah. off the plantation, they would just die um, mm-hmm. because their bodies would cease to function. It could be something like that, too, that unless, you know, I, I don't know how you would do this, you know, with all the minor superheroes throughout. But like, if unless they get some kind of supplement effort once a month from Vought, they die, and it's something they could, you know, maybe they inject it into their food, maybe they put it in their water. It's it's just like one of those fail safes that like that they, they don't even know, they don't even know to avoid it. You know, it's just like if they didn't get it, it would it's some kind of like dead internal dead man switch essentially. Um, how would something? How would that work with? Uh... A uh, soup like uh, who's the guy who loses the limbs and grows them back? Oh, right, uh, Gecko. Gecko. How would it work with him? Couldn't he just like, oh, we've implanted something in your arm? Oh yeah, chop. <laughs> now yeah, I've got a new chip. arm. Although, like the, the the chip, if it's implanted the base of your neck, like I, Kamiko can take a broken neck and just heal That's it. I, true. I don't know, man. What are the limits that of Gecko's powers? If you cut off Gecko's head, would he regrow a whole new body fast yeah. enough to like maintain vascularity, all that kind of stuff? I don't know. That's an interesting right. question. Because you're right. I would have thought that that would be an instant death sentence. And then kind of like, you know, in Walking Dead, you get bit on the arm or leg to chop your leg off. You get bit on the torso or the head. You're Yeah, fucked. you're done. But yeah, Kamiko recovered from a severed spinal cord. So shit, I don't know. Uh huh. In a matter of seconds. Uh, yeah. Now I guess the difference in that is like if you if your neck gets broke, isn't it that you stop breathing but your heart still beats? Like your heart is like assume, a completely yeah. like completely self contained thing. Like it 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 doesn't need any communication from the brain to keep uh to keep uh beating. So maybe huh. like that circulation kept and the healing factor keeps going. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That'd be an interesting thing to explore. Is that why in Indiana uh, yep. Jones, when they rip the heart out and hold it up, it still beats. That's right. The heart doesn't give a fuck. It yeah. doesn't know it's dead already. Uh, Carl D has one last final bit of tinfoil. Could Stan Edgar be black noir? I don't think he so got an because... awful lot of scarring, but maybe it healed. I don't know. Well, not only that, but like, yeah, I guess, Hmm. He took an almond joy to the I mouth. Interpret that, I interpret that scarring as being kind of permanent in the way like Deadpool is like it, that scarring is permanent on him. I did too, and but I guess there's no reason to assume that. John Carlos looked pretty baby faced. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, doesn't have just widespread facial scarring anyway. So yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, Sid writes in, I was thinking about your analysis regarding whether Homelander was lying to Becca or later changed his mind about Ryan needing a mother. I don't think he was lying, but I don't think he changed his mind either. I think Homelander agrees that Ryan needs a mother, but Homelander concludes Stormfront was the better mother that Ryan needs. We already know Homelander disagrees with how Becca is bringing up a son. I don't think Homelander thinks that Ryan needs his own mother. We know Homelander fills his needs with any available mother figure, but but that's he. um, All right. Let me, let me finish the email first. So it makes sense that he smiles when he agrees with Becca. He already plans to give Ryan a mother, just not the one she means in the conversation. Good point. Yeah, but like I, I don't, uh, I don't know if that t- jives with the sequence of events because like Homelander didn't see Stormfront as a mother figure until. Yeah, I don't know. You might be right. You might be right about that. Um. And clearly, like, he does get the idea later on that, like, yeah, yeah, he needs a mom, but not this mom. I, I don't know that yeah. he deprecates the idea of having your own mom because, yes, he does see seek mother figures everywhere. But I think he's I think he's self-aware enough to realize that that's messed up. Right. Maybe. I don't know, because there there are several, you know, glances that he shoots Stormfront when she's saying shit like, oh, there are people who want to hunt the white race and destroy them like where he's like semi semi aware that that's like a crazy bullshit nothing of a theory but also he just goes right along with it it's it's momentary at best plus the the thing that i was thinking of is like it does seem like he's a self-aware enough to be ashamed of his like drinking milk because when ashley comes in to catch him he acts like he's been caught jerking off or something true it's true. not like oh this is a normal thing that people do you just drink breast milk right yeah, you know, he's like, oh god, and like he tries to hide it, and he's very embarrassed. And the only time I think I've seen him rattled in the whole fucking show, uh-huh. um, in that particular kind of social way. So like, that's the thing. Like, Homelander's not stupid; he's just living an experience that no one else can can sympathize with, and he's gotten a bunch of things twisted up in his head. Yeah. Um, but like, if you think he's a fool, um, you know, I, I think you'll end up dead, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, underestimating like that. But um. I know, possibly. Stephen from Rochester says, I was listening to your coverage of Butcher Baker and the Candlestick Maker, and I was struck by your comment about how a Stormfront, we had a great example of an offspring that wasn't a soup. Of course, with her sister, or, or, sorry, her daughter, um, dying of a ripe old age. If we buy that Homelander has a soup son without any Compound V shenanigans, and I'm not sure I buy that, um... I was thinking about if there could be an alternate explanation for why Homelander was able to have a soup offspring and Stormfront didn't. Are you ready to talk about reproductive bio- biology? Are you ready to go back to seventh grade sex ed, Jim? And, and and mix it up with the soups? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Superpower women, sex ed. Women are born with all of their eggs that they'll ever have in their whole body, like all ready to go, which they maintain until puberty. Uh-huh. Uh the eggs form while she's still yet a fetus. I'm mm. not sure if they're like fully mature, but I do I do know that. Like the number of cells that are eggs are something that's determined very, very young. You're essentially born with a quantity. Once you're out, you're done. Your body goes into menopause. Yeah. Um contrast that to the males of the species and humans, where we make sperm, we're a sperm factory from mm-hmm. from from the t- uh, you know, puberty onwards. Um like the the quality of the sperm degre degre degrades as you get older but we still keep making it um 
Could this, coupled with how we understand compound V work, explain the difference? So I'm assuming compound V alters the DNA of the person it's injected into. In most cases, this seems like powers would first manifest in children. Um, could it be that compound V alters the DNA better in newly formed cells and not as well in already existing cells? This may explain why it takes a while for the growing child to have enough newly formed compound B influence cells to reach a critical mass, develop superpowers, and why it's much more difficult to convert an adult who doesn't have as many new cells developing quite as quickly into a soup. So it could be that a woman's soup eggs are essentially untouched by compound V. Uh, they're already formed and just hang out until used. However, males' soup sperms are constantly being regenerated, constantly refreshing themselves with that compound V. Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a plausible mechanism that you can only pass. Like there's, and that, that kind of goes genetically. There's some things that only get passed on the X or Y chromosome, right? Mm. Um, like colorblindness, right? Isn't that something that, that, uh, no, that oh. can't be because women can be colorblind. Uh, I just know it's the fact that like there's like for example testicles are only carried by the Y gene, otherwise they they stay up in your uh, body and turn into ovaries. So um, I feel like that j- jives with my high school understanding of sexual reproduction and biology. Um, sure. So yeah, I think it's a. Uh, he, he said for the counterpoint, I have no idea how to explain the laser-eyed babies in the the infancy ward of season one because. If it takes a while for them, that's the to first develop. superpower you get: laser eyes. Laser eyes, yeah, oh, that's yeah. the default. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's clones an of theory. Ryan. I don't know. It's an interesting theory. If we have any bioscience uh, uh, scientists, send it in, and we'll get to it next season. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, get get to the forums. That's where you. That's where you you use your bioscience degree. Get to the forums and school us. Forums at baldmove.com. Brian P. You guys should uh, pay homage and cover an episode of Supernatural. Eric Kripke's former show was taking a uh, is now taking a bow after 15 seasons on the air. Also, want to point out that Supernatural's first five seasons were a full story arc that Eric had planned from the beginning. It's also probably lo- uh, probably logical that the boys has a similar time frame. Eric seems to be the type who actually wants to tell a long story then move on completely. Um, I had a lot of emails like this, Jim, and I gotta say. I think I'm talking to myself into watching the first, at least the first five episodes, seasons of Supernatural this winter, because everyone yeah. says is this fun kind of pulpy show that's well thought out, has a pretty tight plot, and the guy had a five season blueprint and he did it and he got out, and then of course it went on for ten more seasons, but <laughs> right, I don't have yeah. to. I'd be down to to give it a shot. I don't know that I'm going to commit. Oh yes, I will watch all five seasons. Uh, yeah, like if I'm halfway through, I'll season try an five episode. And this is, this is this is dumb. Then I don't. Yeah. I'm not. Con- but like, if it's like boys esque and it's like cleverness in the writing and the payoff to like plot details and uh, characterizations and stuff. Because, uh, like I said, I started this season with I thought this thing had a lot of uphill battles. Like I had to like Huey. I had to invest in like you know Homelander's relationship with the son. Like there's a whole bunch of things I had to buy into, and I'll be damned they did it all. So I will say with a lot of what I know about season three now uh, or what I'm hearing about it, you might not even need to watch Supernatural to get a little bit of Supernatural going. Oh, it's true. Uh, this is depending true. on what they do next season. But we'll get to that in the news. Little teaser. Uh, Adam from New Zealand has some Anthony Starr love that he wants to share with us. Says, first of all, thanks for all the shows you've done in the past. I've been around for The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. The list goes on. Always, always nice to hear from a longtime fan. But yes, Anthony Starr is destroying it. And yes, he is a Kiwi. He's a New Zealander along with our man 
Carl Urban. This show fills me with so much Kiwi pride, uh, but I'd like to share a little reference that only Kiwis would truly appreciate, Anthony himself included. Before he hit it big in The Boys, even before Banshee, Anthony was a in a very popular drama in New Zealand called Outrageous Fortune. Anyone out there who is keen to learn about the way Kiwis live and or take the piss out of themselves should seek it out. The show is popular enough that they made a prequel, uh, West Side, which is currently airing its final season on Aotearoa. I, I, right. I'm sorry. My Maori yeah. is very weak. Um but to cut a long story short, for six seasons, Star played two characters. He was a pair of twin brothers, and he nailed it. Hence, when he proposed to nail himself in the boys S, uh, in season two, episode four, every Kiwi who watched had an additional LOL moment. Uh, nice. That's actually pretty fucking funny that this isn't the, that he did the, in Ewan McGregor season three Fargo turn. That's pretty that's pretty cool. What's that and series I, called? Uh, it's called Outrageous Fortune. Fortune. If you want to check that out, it's got to be streaming somewhere. It's got to be. Yeah. Um, Set your just, you know, get one of them express VPN, set your location to Auckland. It'll be right up there on Netflix. No problem. Could be. Uh, (laughs) But thanks for writing in that. I appreciate that. And I got to say, like, I saw a lot of like behind the scenes photos with Anthony and like, he seems like he was always having fun, man. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, wearing uh, Homelander pantyhose and doing all kinds of like fun little like practical jokes and stuff and seemed to get a really good relationship. Did you know that Ryan was played by actually two uh, actors, which a lot of times you see with children because it helps make their work restrictions better and their school restrictions and all that stuff. But yeah, he, I guess he had a pretty good relationship with those two guys, which helps with the kind of heavy shit they were doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seems like a really good, nice guy, which is amazing because he plays just terrifying badasses is what I know him for. Yeah. But, uh, Maybe if you want to see the softer side, check out that uh, outrageous fortune. Amy and Matt tag team to, to write us in and say, do you have any theories around Stormfront's last words? According to a translation we found, Stormfront says it was so beautiful. This, These are what she's mur- murmuring to herself when she's been Anakin Skywalker at the end. In German. She says in German, it was so beautiful. How the three of us sat there in the shade of an apple tree. Do you remember that day, Frederick? Chloe's arms out the car window. We found the perfect spot by the river in the shade of an apple tree. It was the first time that Chloe ate fresh apples. Was so happy. It was so wonderful. I wanted it to never end. Could just be the ramblings of a dying person, or is it something more? I mean, Frederick? Um, uh, that's, that's Daddy Vaught. Yeah. Sounds like perhaps uh, a child they had together. Is that... Is that the well, child? I mean, we know that, she had a child. Yeah, right. Is that the child we're uh, that we're privy to? Um, I think she referred to Chloe when she was like saying that this baby looked just like hers when she was like looking at. I think it was that the sixth episode, maybe the seventh episode. Yeah, yeah. It could just be a moment they shared that she enjoyed uh, way yeah. back when. I interpret I interpret it very much as the ramblings of a dying person. Like she's hallucinating. She's barely hanging on because of her superpowers. Now, I don't think Stormfront's dead. No, like no, like they could literally Anakin Skywalker her in case. Or, but yeah, they, they say they she's just, not dead. Yeah, they say um, she's she's in some kind of hidden location. Uh, which you know, I mean, here's the thing about Vought. They lie. They lie all the sure. time about everything. So like, just because uh, Homelander's saying it, reading it off a cue card doesn't mean it's actually true. But like, until look. Someone is superpowered, that kind of regeneration. I just watched a woman recover from a fucking high vertebra neck snapping. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, 
until I see they're 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 dead or they get atomized, I'm going to be looking for the the okie doke. So yeah, I'm assuming she's still alive and and living some kind of horrified landmine, uh, superhero powered version of that. Um, but I don't. Yeah, what other is you know like if I want to put my real imagery hat on apples are you know associated with the garden of eden and satanic temptation etc cetera, etc cetera. but like what's there she's she's a fucking nazi right you know what was like like dig dig a little bit deeper into that basement and you get the, the satan right sure um anyway mike from st louis says homelander said alone jerking on a skyscraper seriously thought that would end with him shooting his load through the top of the chrysler building or something right like that scene in Hancock where he shoots a shotgun blast through his roof. Once again, the boy surprised me with going for substance over shock value. Great show, great season. Something I found out in between us recording the last episode and this weekend was apparently that was a scene cut from season one. Yeah, you the said Amazon, that on the stream the other day, and I was kind of surprised. Yeah, the Amazon said that this is just too crazy for the mm. show that had man dolphin sex. Well, that's and, the thing. You're you just or implied man dolphin sex. You just said like I'm glad they went over went for substance over shock value because they didn't do the cum shot landing in a building. I'm like that scene is still <laughs> shocking as hell. Like, yeah, I, I was just thinking like you know like the police every year like during New uh, New Year's like you know don't shoot your guns in the air because what must go up must fall. Like you imagine uh, you know just sitting there. You get, you get shot by a super load and a, and a ballistic I, arc. I mean, coming yeah. out of low Earth orbit. Yeah, that that would definitely be more shocking. But what they did was not not shocking. Gary B says, "I have an idea of what I'd like to see in season three, and I want to see if you'd agree with this. But I actually see like to see the writers advance the story a bit between seasons and give us a bit of a time jump, anywhere between three to five years or so. Ooh boy, ooh boy. Let's let's read and see how this works out." A lot of the main plot lines of the first two seasons more or less came to a somewhat end in this finale, leaving most of our characters without a sense of urgency in their stories, as was the case in the end of season one. Butcher's story with Becca came to a tragic end with Ryan in, protect, with Ryan in the protection of the CIA. We see the boys move from vigilante group to a somewhat legitimate branch of the CIA. We have Huey begin a career assisting Congressman Newman. We have the seven in a state of stalemate between Homelander and the Maeve Starlight Axis. I feel like these relative points of comfort for the cast affords the writers that opportunity to advance the story. For instance, if we pass a few years between seasons, we can see how ingrained the boys have become within the CIA, fully integrated and functional and immediately seeing how that operates. We can fully see how the relationship between Frenchie and Kamiko has evolved and uh, see the two easily able to communicate. We'll be able to see or pick up with a new or now young teenage Ryan and see how he's coped with a few years of honing and controlling the superpowers and dealing with the death of his mother. Within the seven, we could also see a few years have how the Cold War within their ranks have impacted the organization and Vought. All to have that break in season three. We could have a plot with Huey, now amongst the staff of Congressman Newman, who could be running for much higher office, such as Senate, cabinet seat, uh, seat on the cabinet, uh, POTUS, for example, with her powers unbeknownst to him. Um, that's kind of a joke, but I can only imagine a situation where Huey finds himself in the same situation campaign Morty does in season three of Rick and Morty. Uh, what do you think of Gary's thought here about time, a time jump in The Boys? 
I don't think it's impossible. Um, and you're right, a lot of people are set up for that. But that seems like an awful long time to not deal with some of the fallout from season two. Like, I don't know, is it going to take three years to spin up this anti-soup, or I guess, you know, soup affairs department? Is it going to take three years for Homelander to say enough is enough on this stalemate? I want to do what I want to do. Um, can can Homelander and Butcher remain mortal enemies for three years without Homelander trying to kill him? Uh, is he going to just let his son be gone for three years? Like, Vought can hide Ryan for three years? I'm not right. sure about that. Like, Well, it's, it's just the blackmail that Maeve has got over him. That's the thing that, like, I, I, I don't know. Because I, I feel like I used to think that time skips like this were fraught. Because, like, uh, the, the shows I can think of doing them didn't do them very well. But then, you know, uh, David Simon's The Deuce did a 10-year time jump between every fucking season. And it was beautiful for this reason. Because yeah. every time you left the season, the characters were either in a nice, stable place or in a very clear trajectory. So when you caught up with them five or 10 years later, you're like, well, of course, you know, Candy was doing this. Now she's going to be doing this because blah... And and they are very well set up here. And I also the Walking Dead in season nine did a really good time jump. Yeah. Uh the Expanse has done two time jumps now. One in the middle of a season that like at first like hit me like I don't fucking like this because what happened to this character? What happened to this character? What what did, you know, it didn't really matter. So I'm open to it and yeah, but, but it's, right. it's Homelander. Homelander is the biggest problem with that because I don't think he's the kind of guy who's patient enough to sit around having just been bested no. by everyone. Uh, he He's a lunatic. He's a maniac. He's an egomaniac. He, he's uh, like a caged animal. Yeah, you try and do too many years of him like that and I just start to like not believe it. Yeah. yeah. But maybe maybe there's a way to do it believably. I don't know. Um, And like I said, I don't know. Like I don't think we're going to come back like we did this season where it's literally like the next day, you know, yeah. uh, in media res, but like a, a year, I, I think they could get a lot of this uh, done in like a year. You know, the yeah. boys is now fully spun up. Butchers decided to get the band back together. It's more of a kind of a stable ongoing thing. Um, you know, Ryan is somewhat integrated with this new life. Homelander is starting like, you know, I believably think that this would put him back on his heels a year. But he's still trying to like fight. You know, he's like that caged animal. He's trying all the locks. He's testing all the weak points, and you know, and Mave, and um. So I don't, I don't know that you need a whole like three to five years. Although I understand why people would want to see Ryan get a little bit older, kind of yeah. yada yada through, through through that. But um, I don't know. I yeah, also you've seen like so he, many things where like super fledgling superheroes are starting to figure out their powers. Do we really need to see that again? Yeah, I mean, it's more it's made more interesting under the guidance of Homelander, but now he's not under that guidance. So, like, do I want to see him in the laboratory shooting shit with his laser? No, not really. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. I will say that, like, uh, the Into the Spider-Verse was fun because he had Miles Morales, like, learning the ropes under an older, more mature Spider-Man. And that's a like, I I don't think I'd ever seen that dynamic before where you had like a like a super father figure, you know, like like you know, tell him, showing him how to do it. And I, I think that would be kind of entertaining. Um, but I, I guess it depends on how they rehabilitate Homelander. Cause the other way they could go with this is that Homelander, like this is his rock bottom and he decides to like, try to fix some of the thing. Like he gets some super therapy. <laughs> sure. That sounds like Homelander. 
Wasn't someone jo- wasn't someone joking on the stream Sunday night about like they need Vought needs to create an invulnerable, a well nigh invulnerable therapist. All right. Yeah. Where it's like a Homelander goes and like vaporizes him with his eyes and the smoke clears and he's still standing there <laughs> sitting there in his tweed jacket or she's sitting there in a tweed jacket like, okay, have uh, you know, I, I, I've, have we had enough of this outburst? Now, please have your seat and let's can resume the session. Like, <laughs> yeah, instead of translucent, it's like uh, the transmogrifier <laughs> turns into smoke or something, right? Yeah, yeah. The the head shrinker. Cy writes in, long-time listener, first-time writer. It's obviously very clear when the boys decide when there's a new threat, such as Congressman Victoria Newman, that has to be dealt with. Do you think they'll exclude Huey from it just to make sure he becomes an important asset as an inside guy, giving a lot of space to explore the Billy and Huey uh, slash Lenny plot and giving Jack Quaid uh, more acting scope and show that he can be just as dope as the other members of the boys? Um... Yeah, I I kind of like I was mocking the idea of him being this John Connor character. No, I I kind of I'm rooting for the Monster Man now. Sure. Yeah, that's how these things go. Um, you know, you you have the person on the inside who's good and and true and righteous, and like they discover the plot, right? And they've got to yeah. they they have this big revelation, and then they've got to go, you know, work with within that organization to try and or weed weed out the bad actors. Um. I expect that's roughly what's going to happen uh, in season three. Yeah. And I, I I think that like, it's too late to say that Victoria Newman is that Victoria Newman is entirely in the good guy column. Um, but to the extent that like, cause, cause you know, like, no, the I, reason Huey, I say that. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I'm saying like, because I was about to say like, do we even know that Victoria is evil? You know, we don't. I think but, she's not good, at least in the same way that like Butcher is not good. Sure. But Butcher's not evil. No. Butcher does very bad things in a ends justify the means kind of way. So like and and the only thing I can think of that's like just outright evil is like her popping that court stenographer. Like, you know, like maybe the chairman of the committee is corrupt. Uh-huh. And we know the Vought doctor is corrupt, you know, like he's pro- he's got all kinds of sins to, to atone for. Um, I think from what we know, the seven, the new A train, yeah. But like, like I said, like she's like the only one that's p- potentially just like truly innocent character, and yeah. you know, fucking butcher is willing to kill innocent people to get to to, to accomplish his motives. But is she evil? True. I don't know. She could be just dark gray, and and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Brian K says Anthony Starr is a terrific actor, of course, with amazing range to evoke not only the horror and rage, uh, but also the pity you feel towards this character and a show with an embarrassment of riches in terms of acting talent star is among the best season three should explore a bit more. The tragedy of Homelander. I wonder mm-hmm. might, what might've happened if Martha and Jonathan had found the foundling child over, uh, turned the foundling child over to government authorities. Might Superman not have turned out similarly appalling. Uh, see Brightburn for, for <laughs> more along those lines. Season three will certainly explore Victoria Newman's plans and machinations now that she's the czar of keeping the soups in check. I imagine that the escapees from that facility will have to be apprehended. What's her goal? Who's she working for? Uh, Is she a Compound V recipient? Isn't it ill-advised to continue to pop heads like what she did to the cult leader in the aftermath of blaming all that on Stormfront? Ooh, interesting. Yeah, Um, I think that's something we overlook when speculating about this stuff is Vought has to know the identity of every single soup, right? Except for the the soup 
soup terrorists that uh, Homelander is now creating. But like every well, soup, it, is it possible that Victoria got her hands? That's what that was my was my suggestion. Maybe she got her hands on some of that illicit V. It could be, yeah. Um, I I suppose so. Uh, but uh, you know, assuming she's not, uh, they would they would know the identity. Like they know Gecko. They know all of these uh, different yeah. soups that we've seen because they've created yeah. them. Yeah, but up, like, up until very like- recently. Yeah, up until the last like year or so, the mm-hmm. Homelander's been doing this. I think they established so. Uh, yeah, um, that does. But but the, on the other hand, you could say that like if the show establishes an exception, any character could be that exception. Fair. Like oh well, yeah. Vought knows everybody except for the few vials the Homelander just distribute out into the streets. Well, there you go. She got one of the vials. But a bing, but a boom. Um, but mm-hmm. th- there'd be more speculation about her perhaps being like a captured asset. You know. Yeah. Uh, what about what do you think about um, I, I got a couple other emails and this might be redundant, but this idea that like could Homelander have a character redemption? Yeah, I, I think it's possible to redeem any character. Damn near. Um, it's just some characters will take more convincing on the part of certainly myself, but I think the audience at large. You're just you're gonna have to do a lot to redeem Homelander. I didn't like like we were um, streaming this the the live watch the watch party of this uh, Sunday mm-hmm. night, and I said that's probably a full season type arc as opposed to like an episode. Um, oh yeah 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 yeah. He's just such an asshole, and he's so terrible. And you almost need like hours and hours of that therapy, right, for him to realize who he is and why it's bad, and then change it. It it's a whole process. So, and I don't think season three is the season that does it. Yeah. I think it's interesting because like Anthony Starr's other show, Banshee features, uh, you know, Banshee's a small town in like uh, Amish country. And one of the police officers on the squad was a former neo-Nazi uh, that came yeah. from a whole family of neo-Nazis. And he's got all the tattoos, but he wears like hikes. So he hides it because he's very ashamed of it. And, you know, he actually does battle with his family who's still a bunch of neo-Nazis. And, like, um, I mean, that's a, like, look, I'm not going to ask you to feel sorry for a guy like Homelander if that's, like, a, you know, a, 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 a moral bend too far. But it ha- it does happen. It's not the norm that people with their heads completely up their asses in terms of ideology and worldviews. But, like, I mean, hell, I came from a community where I had my head way up my ass about a lot of things and I was able to pull it out and like, I don't think you should get a medal for it or like be lauded, but like, that's an interesting story. And I, I do think that you should always give, like there should be like some kind of like backdoor hope for those type of people. Um, Absolutely. Like uh, more so in the real world, like in storytelling, you know, fiction, I, yeah, I don't care so much about this, but in the real world, you need to give people that Avenue because if you shut that door, it doesn't leave them any option. To, to redeem right, right? if yeah, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. saying well there is no redemption for me it's already too late they might as well lean into what they've got going yeah um, exactly exactly and that that and just leads to bad people doing worse things to the extent that you believe in 21st century not just america but around the world there's been types of people radicalized in certain beliefs you kind of got to pull for them to because else what do you do with all these people you know just write them off for the rest of their life try to build walls and 
structures and society to contain them. But like, no, you, you hope to like get everybody on the same page. And I, that could be an interesting thing, but it would, I, I think of like uh, what they did with um, Alan, uh, Alfie Allen's character in game of Thrones, the Reet character, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, they, 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 they redeemed him from his low uh, uh, point. Um, you know, when the, so it's like, you can definitely do it, but you're right. It's not like, it's not like a single, single episode. It's a, it's a, it's a season yeah. or two arc. I mean, somebody cuts Huey off in traffic. That's a one episode redemption arc, right? Where they go <laughs> sure, and they apologize yeah, yeah. and they have a beer and it's fine. This yeah. is much different. Yeah. This guy's got a lot more screws loose and he's got to like, you know, there's also, um, again, I, you know, how can you say you wouldn't turn out like him if you had that kind of fantastic powers and things, you know? Sure. Like that's like absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, fuck, he's the most powerful person in the world. No one's been able to tell him no, and no one's been able to tell him no since he's like an eleven year old child. Mm-hmm. So like uh uh the Kilgrave character, the purple man on um uh that first season of uh shit, Jessica Jones. You know, it's like he's a terrible shit evil character, but like one of the things you think about in that that season of television is like, well, if you had those powers and you'd turned out like, you know, if you had that life, would you have turned out any better? Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. For it's sure. a lot of work to do. Uh, Josh F the AOC Senator, uh, analog is obviously either controlled opposition or she is the one somewhat controlling the narrative on her own. I think it's the latter and here's why. Uh, so the controlled opposition is the angle of like, what if, she is another level of control kind of in the same way that like you yeah. find out in the matrix that Zion is another level of control that the machines have. And, and uh, like, like uh, she's just, it's essentially owned and operated by Vought and to be controlled opposition, you don't have to be aware of the fact that you're controlled opposition. Um, but uh, let's dismiss that and, and consider Josh's main point. It makes sense that she's allowing Vought to continue being the evil dragon that she must continue to slay. Without a perceived oppressor, Vought, what good is a person whose career and life is based on fighting for the oppressed? I I would submit that there's a lot you can do without a fictional corporation named Vought pulling the strings in 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 the country and the world, but well, yeah, let's let's go with this. Um they also made it a point to show that she's running for re-election, which helps this theory since she needs an opposition to fight against more now than ever. On top of that, the things that she has done don't seem to be outcomes Vought would not would necessarily want to happen. She could have prevented a lot of this mess for them if they were controlling her actions. Um, hmm, that's interesting. I also just want it to be that case because it makes the show much more interesting and truer to life of how humans think and how political power structures are built and maintained on all sides rather than just being propaganda uh, feast for people who think everyone they don't like is either Nazi or a small town hick mind controlled by memes. Um. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with her, you know, propping Vought up because she needs that dragon to slay, you know, in the same way that like I think that's true that there there's a lot of hobby horses in political things that seem to only exist and and don't get solved just so it can continue to be uh, uh an issue that you can campaign on, you know, um. But, yeah, uh, I look at her actions in the courtroom now that she, we know she's the one exploding the heads. And I think, OK, well, it works from both angles, right? The the fear is the thing that these people are going to be using. It's the tool that they're going to use to get their way. Um, yeah. For her, it's it's the fear that, oh, my God, there's a soup out there popping people's heads. 
we need to form the super fairs team um, and we need to like keep tabs on them and crack down on them and make sure, you know, they don't get out of hand. Whereas Vought says, oh my God, you need us more than ever uh, to, to the government. Right. So if she is working for Vought, um, then they can say, look, here is the justification for why we need the soups and working with the government. Um, Cause this kind of shit, this rogue soup is out there, right. Destroying people's heads. Yeah. I don't know. It, and she might be aware of that. She might not be aware of that. I don't know. Speaking of the courtroom head explosion, someone pointed out that like, it seems like her eyes milk over white when she blows up someone's head. That was established when she blew up uh, Fresca Man. Yeah, yeah. And in the courtroom, when heads were exploding, we didn't see that. Uh, and someone mentioned that, that, that um, so- someone brought that uh, contradiction up during our live watch. And I started thinking about it. What if Newman has a daughter that's got a superpower the way she does in the same way that Homelander has Ryan? What if she, this is She's the teacher first to pop ever? heads in that courtroom? Yeah. Yeah, you got this. You get and like that's 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 diabolical, fucking diabolical to have like an eleven year old with binoculars across the street like <laughs> popping heads. But it would neatly explain it, and it would set a kind of sick parallel between Newman and her daughter, and Homelander and his son. Okay, so if that's true, then you'd probably have to say she's working for Vaught, right? Because of the way that the timeline with the soup stuff would work out. Like if she's got, if she's got, well, okay. So I'm going with the unaffected eggs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh And and all this (laughs) stuff, like all that seems like the Vought would have to know about it and she'd either have to be working with them or they'd at least have to be allowing her to do what she's doing. Nah, she split the vial with her daughter. Oh yeah? Okay. (laughs) That's why she's got such a lame superpower. All she she can do is pocketed some of it? Yeah. Uh, she split the vial fifty-fifty. That's why they can only pop heads, and that's it. Um, huh. No, I, I, you're, you're right. Those seem to I've, I've spun two mutually in contra- uh, contradictory theories here because you're right. There's no way eleven years ago she got V. So that, yeah, you're right. Hmm. Hmm. Or Vod Va- right, knows, like Vod gave right. her, gave her daughter the the yeah, vial and yeah, like controlled opposition, or maybe it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Like Vod thinks she's controlled opposition, but she's actually got her uh, own plans to break rogue. free of the whole thing. She's going to go rogue. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of interesting um, possibilities by which, there. I like by what which mean up. she's going to have a southern accent. She's going to steal people's powers by touching their bare skin. When we say going rogue, we literally mean going rogue <laughs> going in this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yep. Uh, something for the Marvel fanboys and girls. Um, okay, let's move on to Matt C. Man, I love the boys finale. To me, as I was watching it, I couldn't get over how each scene seemed to be topping the one before it. Like you sort of said in your recap with this boys, though this finale, the boys hit a new gear, a gear that moved the show out of high pulp and squarely into something like high drama. The show is still pulp, of course, but wow, uh, what new and surprising range. I have two questions. What is your favorite character-driven scenes? And also, what do you think would be the most interesting arc for season uh, three? While you're thinking about that, I'm going to read his comments, which kind of dovetails with our conversation we just had. I couldn't get over the scene with Ryan and Homelander, where Shocker, but not that much of a Shocker, turns out Homelander for a moment acted like a real father, and a pretty good one at that. After he told his son that he had been afraid too and showed some vulnerability, then when his son hugged him, 
shit, the expression on Anthony Starr uh, that he had on his face looking up the Stormfront, it was as as if for the first time in his life, Homelander was receiving the one thing he never had but always wanted, real love and affection, free from fear. It's an amazing scene. And he's he's one of the ones hoping that Homelander gets a little bit of a redemption arc. The, yeah. the, the love of his son is the, the pure thing that he can chase and lead him out of this dark hole he's in. He's going to um, have to get his son back first. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's an excellent one. Um, another one that I really like, actually, is Maeve's uh, scene where she keeps calling uh, Monster Man a twink. Because, um, like, the futility that she expresses there and, and how mm-hmm. hard she's been trying. And then, you know, she does come back from that, right? She's It doesn't crush her. It doesn't break her. She then goes on to, you know, stalemate Homelander at the end. Um, and and honestly, but that that was made possible by a weakness. Yeah, you know, like it, the status quo changed, and she it shook herself out of her like learned helplessness, and decided she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I got, I got a, I got a, 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 I can strike here. So, but the sentiment she's expressing, I think, is something a lot of us feel. Um, yeah, right now, you know, with the the, the virus out there, and uh, like things seem to be getting worse and worse. Things are piling on yeah. top, and there's a futility kind of feeling. I think setting in yeah. with a lot of people. Like, how do you change do something I, this big? Yeah, why do I bother doing anything when other people are going to just you know not give a shit about it? You know, why? Yeah, why, it's mixed why? up in her sexuality. It's mixed up in yeah. all all kinds yeah. of things. Right in yeah. that moment, it's a powerful. It's a really good scene. Um, I, I really like the butcher, uh, uh, Edgar show off. Like I thought that yeah. was a real like Machiavelli class act and man, I, I, I can't wait to find more about Stan Edgar. He still is like, to me, we got Chekhov's glasses. Uh, I, I want to see what happens when the man takes those things <laughs> off and to dare someone to punch him. I got, uh-huh. I, I, I got to see that. Um, but yeah, like dovetailing that, like I think the most interesting arc is like, will it seems almost certain he will will butcher, uh, become a surrogate father figure for for Ryan, and I and I, I can almost see like imagine him getting a call that like they just can't control Ryan, like he's the only guy, like Ryan's the only guy that he'll listen or. Butcher's the only guy that Ryan will listen to, and they keep having to come. But he's like, you know, fine, like what, you know, why not just take the kid with me? You know he's good at asset on the anti soup team. Like I, that'd be I, yeah, that'd be cool. But also I don't know how much they can get away with the boy's normal level of fucked upness in terms of an eleven year old riding shotgun with that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as such an innocent, like sweet yeah. eleven year old, right? Yeah, like they could roll. They could, I they could to just lean into lean it. into that. Yeah. yeah, like almost Rick and Morty does, where it's like, yeah, this kid's fourteen. Deal with it. He's fucking a robot. He's doing this. He's doing For that. Sure. Like they they can you can you can definitely do some of that more transgressive material with with older with older kids because the reality is like as we found out like there's been you know like what Big Mouth and and P E N I fifteen and like uh, Rick and Morty like something we may be forgotten as adults. Adolescents are disgusting people. Oh, bunch yeah. of horny perverts that like, you know, like, like the, the things we joke about, the things we laugh about, the things that gets us off is weird and twist. It's like, yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe some, some people had the perfect Barbie and Ken growing up, but I sure as shit didn't. So no. yeah, make have Ryan be a little bit fucked up, but like with a heart of gold. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Why what the show is, right? That's what sure. the boys are. Um, so I, I'd like to see that as a hook. Um, you know, g- give a butcher a crack at being a super dad. Uh, John writes in the boys have grown on me and I'm looking forward to next season and the season finale with Homelander whacking off uh, from atop the Empire State Building. I was reminded of a science fiction short story I read a long time ago. Its author speculated about if he, Superman were a real person in our world. You are referring to the classic Larry Niven 1969 giggity essay called Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. And I highly, highly encourage anyone to look it up. It's free online to see what a very well-respected science fiction author gets up to when he starts doing boy speculation. It's all pretty funny. Um, in, in this Niven speculates, every cell in Superman's body would necessarily have to possess super abilities in measure to the whole being, right? Yeah. Um, being an instructable able, I mean, they show that in the movies, like one thread of Superman's hair is holding up like a ton Mm-hmm. Or something in the Superman Museum. Like, this is explicit, all right? He's just doing the math. Um, he says uh, his sperm should be indestructible and capable of flight. Uh, so the story envisioned his ejaculated sperm just flying around New York City aggressively trying to impregnate every woman it finds. Um, hmm. Do you think the boys' authors or the, the, the writers of the boys have laughed about this type of subplot? I would find it hard to believe that that uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, Garth something. Who wrote this fucking book? Garth Ennis. Garth yeah. Ennis. Yeah, that Garth Ennis or uh, Eric Pritke that they haven't seen this because it's like a pretty famous. Like if you're into comic books at all, uh-huh. you will have come across this essay at some point. Yeah, I I haven't read it. But yeah, I mean they're 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 leaning th- as far into this stuff as they can, I think, probably in the writers' room, um, and then probably pairing it back from some of the crazier ideas they have. Honestly, right? Yeah, like here's what we want to do. What can we get away with? <laughs> yeah, what can we get what, away what, with? And w- like both from a storytelling standpoint and also from a yeah network, uh, yeah, fr- from a television because, standpoint. Because you also don't want it to get so serious that people can't take it serious anymore. And yeah, like yeah. the boys kind of like wavers on that line anyway. And I feel like the last three episodes kind of like people are saying elevated it. Mm-hmm. Like this is almost like this is not just pulp. It's also like shit. Good action. Good characters. Good plot. Like that's what you need to be a great series. Right. Yeah. So, you know, too much super sperm. And uh, you get you get rappers delight, not the boys. Uh <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lauren Adams, do you guys think about what the soup names would be for the ones who don't have ones yet? Like, for example, the guy with the super acidic vomit or Cindy or Stan Edgar. Mm. Um, I've been thinking about what Victoria Newman's soup name would be, and I've decided that in my version of facts, she would be known as Head Cannon. Okay, I like it. <laughs> that's that's a pretty fucking good name. I, I want the vomit uh, guy to be named The Soup, like S-O-U-P. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking Bile. Okay, Bile's you know, good. Name is Bile. Um, Cindy, the Crush is what I can like. I was thinking Crush. Stan Edgar. Main, I don't know. main squeeze for Cindy. The main squeeze. There you go. <laughs> Stan Edgar. I don't know. Like he he doesn't have any any superpowers other than uh, you know, being uh, ruthless. I can't think of any. I have to know his superpower. 
Because yeah. otherwise, I'm just coming up with names of like the CEO, the chief, mm. the head accountant, man in black, you know, man yeah. is black. I don't know. Uh, Hadfill writes in, I never understood the reason the church, he's talking about the church of the collective here, loves Fresca so much, and I'm still not sure I do, but I noticed something with Stan in the latest episode. While Stan does refuse the Fresca, it's nasty stuff, when he meets with the church leader. However, later on, when he meets Butcher in the high rise, he creates his own Fresca. The waiter squeezes a lime into a glass of ice and then pours water over it. I'm not smart enough to understand the symbolism, but I'll leave it to you to discuss. That's hardly a um, Fresca. Uh, if he got I, out like a big grapefruit squeezer <laughs> was like going yeah. to town with it. As as I've, I've come to realize, because I drank as Fresca on our live stream, which, by the way, we refer to these lives. We every Sunday night at eight o'clock Eastern, we do sci fi Sundays um, at uh, twitch.tv slash bald move, where we watch a couple episodes of Star Trek, uh, The Expanse. We've been watching the boys. We're going to continue doing that at least through the end of this year. Um, it's a lot of fun. But I f- yeah, it's it's grapefruit citrus blend. And for whatever reason, it's loaded with artificial sweetener. It's not diet. It's just loaded with aspartame, and it's got that nasty kind of aftertaste. Otherwise, I think it's a nice, refreshing drink. Um, hmm. I like lemon and lime infused water is just a thing. I yeah. don't know that there's there there except for maybe there's a commentary on like I don't like your kind of brainwashing and propaganda. I've got my own house blend that I prefer. Because Vought yeah. definitely peddles lies and delusions to the American people, right? They, they certainly do a close-up on it. So I want to say there's something they're going for. Hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. Don't know if I buy uh, it. They also want to take a run at predicting the theme of Season 3 based on the first two seasons. Season 1 dealt with religion and how that can be a negative impact on our lives if we just have blind devotion and belief. Um. Not just belief in God, but the belief that all supers are born and not created. Season two dealt with racism and how that's obviously bad. Based on Butcher and Stan's conversation in the high rise of the season two finale, I think season three will have the boys directly opposing capitalism and challenging the thought that money is the ultimate prize, even in lieu of the public's health and well-being. Curious on your thoughts, and I want to give you an opportunity to write an outline for season three, assuming this is the case. I'm not doing spec work, okay? Look <laughs> yeah, here. pay us at Look least here. scale. Come on. Look here, I've got, I've got, I've got the, I've got the getaway car warmed up outside the Department of Homeland Security. I'm about ready to make off. I'm not sticking around and doing homework, okay? But, um, what I, I love that idea because in the last four years, part of the zeitgeist has been this new leftist undercurrent in in the the left wing of American politics, where people, especially younger people, especially people. Like AOC and and the squad are starting to like question like is this capitalism thing the end game of society is this the end all be all um, what 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 can we do like in, in a social democracy to maybe balance that a little bit better and there hasn't been a lot of entertainment that has directly tackled those themes um, yeah and uh, and when you go back in American society like you got to go back to like. Shit like uh, uh, um, it's a wonderful life to get something that's like explicitly us rather than me, you know, and and it's core it's core message. And the Um, first two seasons do feel like a bit of a setting of the table uh, when it comes to that theme, right? Like Vought has been portrayed as something that is there to to 
create wealth uh, for the very few. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, everything that happens with capitalism. And then if you look at the last scene of this season, uh, which is Congressman, Congresswoman Newman uh, exploding the head of the uh, church guy, um, you you start to lean into that theme even more around politics, right? And the, the inherent connection we have between politics and money now uh, and read. how that all works. And I think... Yeah, they're definitely setting that up as a big factor for season three. So why not lean into the capitalism angle as well? Sure. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I think it's it's you know if you got you've got an AOC analog and you just have her like you know like you abstract essentially her fight against Vought as like some kind of woke kind of movement thing like that's that's just a really surface level engagement with this character archetype, right? Yeah. So I, I think I think you might be onto something there, uh, Hadfield. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Okay, we're we're about to get into the very slight spoilers for season three section. But before everyone goes, if anyone wants to, to maintain their spoiler free status, uh, a, a super spoiler free status, because these aren't like huge spoilers. It's casting news and a couple of plot points um, from Eric Pritke. But I just wanted to let you know the bald move is by no means shutting down now that the boys is over. We still have Fargo season four. We're in the middle of. If you like that show, we got really good coverage of that. If you're a sci-fi fan, uh, one of the biggest shows around is coming back for season two, The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. We're going to have full coverage of that. That comes back at the end of October. We'll have our preview for season two out next week here. Uh, uh, if, if you're listening to the bald move pulp. Uh, version of the podcast you just it's just right there you want to search for bald move pulp subscribe to that and you can get it um and then you know looking forward to 2021 there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike uh the foundation series um big science fiction series lord of the rings here you know amazon prime is going to take take a stab at the tolkien's universe what's that going to look like uh, we're going to have a Game of Thrones spinoff maybe next year, maybe the year after. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pike. And not only that, but like we also do a lot of movie coverage as well. Um, if you want to find our stuff, the two the number one places to find it, uh, there's uh, two podcasts, Bald Move Pulp, which is where we cover our superhero stuff, our sci-fi stuff, our fantasy stuff, the you know the the pulp stuff. You know what pulp means. And then we have Bald Move Prestige where we cover more of the black tie type affairs, the prestige movies, the prestige series like uh, uh, Fargo, for example. Um, so if you like our stuff, you can, you can get all of it um, or fine tune your taste by subscribing to one of those two feeds. Um, so yeah, it's, it's now time to talk about spoilers. Mike from St. Louis. It looks like not only are we in for season three of The Boys, but there's been some interesting casting news already to come out. Jensen Ackles of Supernatural fame will be playing the off-mentioned Soldier Boy in Season 3. The original soup seems to be a commentary on the Captain America um, uh, archetype. And there's an IGN article that they linked uh, with this casting news. Curious what your thoughts are about the implications of this character popping up and potentially playing a big role in Season 3. I wonder if he has connections to Stormfront, being they're from the same era and have lived much longer the normal lifespans. Okay. With, um, uh, you know, Captain America's connection to Nazis, that might make a little bit of sense, but yeah. Like would, would they subvert Captain America and have, cause like, you know, Captain America and the Marvel, uh, especially in the Marvel cinematic universe is just like this wholly ambiguously, incorruptibly good person. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just the best, right? Yeah. Uh, did they subvert that or did they, they already had this Liberty come Stormfront, come neo-Nazi, like, 
it's almost like a subversion just to have a a purely good character, old school character. Uh-huh. Um, you yeah, know, he, like he we got Stormfront. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. The, the, uh, the, let, let's move on. Um, uh, also, would love to hear what you think about the announced spinoff series. The concept doesn't enthuse me, but curious to see what you guys think. Um, so this is the boys' spinoff. What what do you know about this, Jim? So I I read in an article somewhere um, just now that the the untitled spinoff, although I've heard maybe it's going to be called G-Men, which I guess is a faction in the boys uh, comics. But uh, so far, from what I understand, it's untitled, but it's it's going to be written in, by the executive producer of the boys, Craig Rosenberg. Uh, it's set at America's only college exclusively for young superheroes, which is run by a shady corporate corporation, Vought International, uh, which we obviously know. They don't say... Like the parent show, the spinoff is expected to be a very TVMA series described as part college show and part Hunger Games that follows the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, competing for the best contracts in the best cities. This sounds like garbage. I have zero interest in watching Riverdale with superpowers. Riverdale was kind of cool in season one. Uh I, I just don't have any interest in this whatsoever. What if it's like something like American Vandal, though, where it's like it uses the guise of like a young adult kind of thing to do something else with it? Like because like the TVMA is not compatible with <laughs> young adult stuff, right? I guess I, I guess mean, things are everything get, get pretty I've sexy read about and steamy this. in Riverdale, but it's all kind of PG-13 style. Like if this is just toned down YA boys, then yeah, it's bullshit. This just isn't what I'm in in the boys for. Um, yeah, I'm in no, it no, for you're, you're... social commentary and over the yeah. top like uh, gore and and absurdity and this thing. The, the okay, so they start losing me at like, hey, this is the young X Men Academy thing. Uh, then they really lose me when it says it follows the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test. Okay, maybe this is going to be the exploration like we were talking about of of Ryan, right? Like, okay, what does it look like when you're a superpowered teenager? It's, but God, it's just, it doesn't seem interesting to me. It seems like no, it's a one track pony. <laughs> I really have to talk myself into watching something like that. But Or like I said, it's like, well, what if it's that, but nothing like that? You know, like, what if it's like a complete subversion? And I... Oh, There's maybe. enough of the boys' DNA that, like, I could see them using like the uh, the young, you know, the the young adult as a sabo for the round that they're trying to deliver, right? You know, and some like yeah. you know, boys uses comic books as a way to deliver its social commentary. Like, it's possible. And the TVMA is something you don't usually see with YA, although that's like starting to be less the case. You know, isn't like uh, HBO's Euphoria kind of made for? young adults and it actually treats uh-huh. them as they are young adults. You know, they're having sex or doing drugs or doing like adult shit as much as it might make adults and actual adults uncomfortable. It's, it's happening, but yeah, I have to really talk myself into it. I'm like, that seems like a hard pass for me. It just like, feels forced. It's, it's like, yeah. okay, we got the boys. We want to do more of the mm-hmm. boys. How do we do more of the boys without actually just making eight seasons a year of this thing, right? right? Without running our original concept into the ground. Oh, I know. Let's do the other X-Men thing. 
that they. But it's a, it's a. I'll say this: it's a better idea than like The Walking Dead, which is to endlessly spin off the exact same fucking concept with just different characters in different locations. I mean, at least The Walking Dead like waited West like Coast five the boys. But but yeah, yeah you're right. I, I yeah, you don't want the same thing over and over again. Um, yeah. But this so this feels like Saved universe. by the Bell, the college years plus Riverdale plus. That's exactly what it sounds the like. The soups, yeah. and I'm not into it at all. <laughs> Yeah, no, maybe I, I'll change I, I my mind. That. Maybe, maybe I'll see it and I'll go like, "Hell yeah, this is awesome." We'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. You mentioned one other thing. You mentioned a couple other things that you had saw in some of the, your research for like season three points. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So another casting note: they wanted to get Jeffrey Dean Morgan in uh, to season three, and he was keen on it too. He was actually petitioning to be part of it, and uh, I guess I haven't seen Supernatural, but I guess he's like one of the main stars from season one yeah supposedly show. a good dude too like he plays like yeah. a good guy uh so this would be like between him and jensen ackles i guess a little bit of a supernatural reunion kind of thing because um, uh, he plays the dad of one of them i think it might even be him yeah i'm not sure i haven't seen it uh but so there's that and if that's being thrown into question now because of covid stuff they had to postpone uh, shooting and he's got to film i guess the last season of walking dead sure, so there might be some pushed like like a like 9 months behind yeah. in their shooting schedule yeah so who knows if that's going to happen um it, it's it's still a possibility i think everybody involved is hoping that it will so they'll they'll make it happen if they can um season yeah, 3 Jeffrey morgan's an incredible actor um yeah and like it's super fun for the supernatural fans if it's a reunion of sorts yeah that'd be cool for sure um i guess season three is going to start filming in february and ends in august uh so there's probably not gonna be boys next year probably looking Mm -hmm. at a 2022 release for the next boys although it seems like that's that that could be like a expanse release schedule where they drop it like in late december could be could be. Um, and it lot, depends on COVID, right? Like production, though, too. Yeah, that who, too. Yeah. February comes around. If we're like staring at numbers that cause us to shut down everything again, like sure, who knows? Or if one of the cast gets major illness, yeah, you know, it's or, absolutely. It could happen. It could happen. Who knows? Who knows this crazy world we're living in? Um, the good news is they've already broken the season three story, as I alluded to earlier. So they know kind of the the major beats, um, and they're I guess in the process of writing that out. Do you have those? Uh, did you have any of those bullet points or? Yeah. So Congressman or Congresswoman Newman is going to have a big focus in next season, which I think, you know, kind of makes yeah. sense given what we saw. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. They're clearly leading us down that path. Um, and the boys, here's something a little bit surprising I saw is that the boys are going to be officially working for the CIA with a budget and offices and everything. So like, them being scattered to the winds doesn't seem like it's either going to last very long or like maybe we misinterpreted some of it. Hmm. Like this was sort of a break before they get into this soup affairs sort of thing. I mean, I, yeah, the only reason we weren't thinking that is because Butcher put on sunglasses and walked away without saying, sure, boss, I'll take that job. And M.M. goes home to his family. It's like, yeah. And Huey says, I got to go work on myself. I'm going to go work with Congressman Warren. Frenchie's doing, Frenchie's doing some Bonnie and Clyde shit with Kamiko. Like, yeah. But, but apparently they're going to come back It's not together, too which, hard. Yeah. yeah. You need a day job, fellas. You know, you should have gone for the, 
you should have gone for the uh, Armag- uh, Armageddon deal where you have all charges dropped against you and you have to pay taxes the rest of your life. Then you could just sit <laughs> right. at home and play dollhouse with your daughters and you could run around with your your hot superhero girlfriend. But like now you got to yeah. work. You got to get that W-2. The government's <laughs> offering. Got good benefits package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you uh, got to fight Homelander once in a while, which is bad for your health. But, you know. Yeah. And all this comes from an interview with Eric Kripke, so like this is pretty mm, solid right info. From the horse's mouth. Um, the final thing that he that I gleaned from that interview is that Stormfront is definitely not dead. Um, they they you know kind of say as much in season two, but he definitely confirmed he's he's got this whole thing on Twitter where I guess he's doing like a stump front hashtag oh hashtag stump front. No. so yeah there's gonna be some uh suspended animation type stuff going on or, or not suspended oh, animation man. but like life support sort of suspended stand animation yeah has got her hooked up <laughs> so that's all i know about season three but man i'm looking forward to it interesting i wonder if they're keeping her alive like for any other purpose other than like perfecting the adult compound v serum because she's know. the early, you know, know, she's the early example that shows you can you can get it, you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, having having said all that, talked about all the season three spoilers, casting news. That is the end of this podcast. Don't forget, we are still we're not going away. We still got Fargo. We got Mandalorian coming up. We got the Expanse. Yeah, speaking of Amazon Prime shows, it's coming up before before Christmas. December sixteenth coverage of it this year. Um, just just a couple months away. Uh, please subscribe to Bald Move Pulp if you like our pulp stuff or Bald Move Prestige if you like it both. Um, that way you don't have to worry about what show we're doing. You just know that you'll get all the pulpy or prestige goodness. Hope you guys do stick around because we've enjoyed having you along for the ride. Um, but if not, hopefully we'll see you back in season three for the boys. And until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next year. <laughs>